0: You know, i like to start today off with a simple question, and that is, what's the good life? I mean, we're all in this quest to have the good life, the, whatever we define as successful, the epitome of success. And when I get to this point in life, then it is good. Right? What is that for you? We all have different ideas. Some of us, boy, it's sitting on a beach and boy, that's a good life. But as soon as those rain clouds come over, life stinks. Right? And we go through waves and cycles like that all throughout the journey of who we are. But we all also define the good life in different ways. Maybe for you, it's, boy, if I get to this position... If I get this GPA, if I am successful and I get a full ride in school and I can just coast through college with no debt, you know, what is the good life for you? Because it seems so often we all have our ambitions stacked into our minds and we define our journey in life based upon what we think is successful. If I can just get to this point, then I'm good. But see what tends to happen is we, we start life kind of like the game of Jenga. You ever play that game? I mean, that game's kind of annoying, isn't it? You take these blocks and you just try to stack them on top of each other to see eventually who's going to topple it down, right? But you start the game with a very solid, good foundation and structure. Why mess it up? But the whole point of the game is to mess up the structure to see who can go the highest. And the same is true in our life. It's like we start out with a good foundation, then we just build, but then before you know it, you're chasing your own ambitions, your own determination of what makes life successful, and in order to do that, you're constantly taking from yourself, from your own blocks of you, to try to build your tower of life as high as it can possibly go. And before you know it, what once was a pretty solid foundation, you've weakened it based upon your own ambitions between, be, beyond, because of your own determination of what is successful. And before you know it, when the winds of life comes, comes blowing in, and they will, you are crashing and falling. But what if, hold on, friends, what if in that moment... When life comes crumbling down, when all of a sudden you realize everything you've tried to build in your own life based upon your own ambitions, when all that fails, what if in that moment you realized, I just found the good life. I finally found it. Because I thought all along it was based upon what I could do based upon the success that I could go after, based upon how far I could go in life with what I wanted to do, my own ambitions, when in reality, that stuff never lasts, none of it. One day, our ambitions will crumble and fall. One day, what you determine as success won't be there anymore. And one day, you might get there, you might say, I've got here, I got to the CEO of this corporation or I got on this plateau of whatever I determined in my mind is successful, I finally made it there and all of a sudden when you get there you begin to sense something why is it not bringing me all the excitement and hope and and joy that I thought it was going to bring me I I thought it was going to be like I get here and boom, it's awesome but it's not awesome I mean it was cool for a second but then the second's gone and then what? then what? Was this really what it was all about? Was this really the quest of life? Was this really the good life? What if there's something more beyond that? What if there's something beyond what your ambitions are? You see, I believe that walking with Jesus, fully walking with Jesus is the journey towards the good life. The Bible teaches us and reveals to us that God's heart for you is to experience full joy, to find happiness in your life, to experience the good life. The Bible uses the word blessed. We've talked about this before, but blessed is just that word that means achieving that good life, the happy life, the life full of joy. And God says, I want you to have that, but how you obtain that? Is what matters it's what matters and ultimately we are controlled by something and what controls you determines what you experience every one of us is controlled by by something it's by what you determine is success I mean how do you define success ultimately how you define that leads to what controls you maybe you define success of getting ahead in your job As far as you can up the corporate ladder. Well, guess what? I bet that controls you. You eat, sleep, drink it. You work 14 hours a day, seven days a week. You're nonstop. You're flying all over the world. And then one day you're probably waking up and wondering why. Why? Maybe it's your kid's sports. You're so focused on your kid being the most supreme athlete out there and that your kid will get that full-ride scholarship and play for some professional sports and make millions of dollars that you can sit on the beach and enjoy the millions of dollars they're making. You're living it all up in your mind, aren't you? And your life is focused on making sure your kid, who you think is a supreme athlete, has all the opportunities made to man so that they can achieve the epitome of success. And then before you know it, that controls you. And you're controlled by those endeavors. We're all controlled by something, every one of us. And what controls you determines what you experience. And our lives are just going crazy because of the things we allow to control us our jobs, our hobbies, our kids. Those relationships, or the relationships you hope to have, relationships that you wish you didn't have, they control you, don't they? They might not control you physically, but man, it's in your head all the time. All the time. That's control. And it determines what you experience. And then we wonder, what is the good life? What is that? Because I'm not feeling it. I'm not achieving it. And we build these fancy houses, and we drive these fancy cars, maybe sometimes to hide behind that success to make it feel like I've got the good life. And we get it, and the car starts to break down just like every other car. The house starts to get those cobwebs. It's not as gray as I thought it was going to be. And then what? You see, my friends, I'm here to tell you something. As we begin this journey with Jesus, what we see here is we experience blessings the more we allow Jesus to have the authority in our life. The more you allow him to be the one that controls you, to lead you, to guide you, the more you allow him to be your authority, the more you experience good things in your life, the good things he wants to give you in your life, because authority develops the experiences you have in your life. Whatever you allow to have authority in your life is, determines what you experience in your life, and your experiences culminate the blessings you have. It just builds and builds and builds from there. And I know our biggest problem is we hate authority. Come on, let's just deal with it. We don't like authority. And so the idea of saying, giving God the authority of my life, uh uh-uh. He can give me the blessings. He can pour down the nicey-nice stuff. Give me the steak dinners and the keep me out of hell card, right? But don't you dare tell me how to live my life because I don't want to have authority. I'm with you. I struggle with it, just like you do. I don't like people telling me what to do. Just ask my wife, she'll tell you. But we live, we've begun to lead our mind into believing a lie. And that lie is, no one has authority over me, I control my life, no you don't. You have no control whatsoever you've just led yourself to believe you do. And we build these big houses with these fancy cars and this great life and we think I control that. One day that won't be there. What happens when that house breaks down or the fire happens or when you're in the car accident that fancy car is no more? What then? What you have today doesn't mean you'll have it tomorrow. Nothing lasts. Nothing. And the more we make our focus of success and the good life based upon what we can obtain in the physical world, we miss out on what God wants to do beyond the physical world. You see, he wants to bring these abundance of blessings in our life. And this, this does not necessarily mean that all your circumstances in life are gonna end. It doesn't mean all the mess around you gonna all stop. We live in a messed up world. You're going to be dealing with messes all your life. But God says, when you walk through the mess, you'll have joy. You'll be blessed. You'll be able to to walk through it. It's not because it gets easier, you get stronger. You know why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you every step of the way. That's what he promises That despite our circumstances, if we allow him to be the authority in our life, we will experience the goodness despite our circumstances. That's his promise. God says, you give it over to me, I will bring a radical reversal to your fortunes. Not necessarily the physical world, but I got something bigger than this. And this is what this journey is all about that we're kickstarting today. This journey through the most famous mes- uh, sermon in the whole world in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount. And this segment that we're talking today is the, 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 the uh, Bill. Bill, come on, the Beatitudes. Can I get that out? Right, the Beatitudes. What kicks off this message? This is The sermon that Jesus gives. And this sermon is the greatest sermon in the history of the world. It deals with the depths of ethics and philosophy and theology. And you better believe it as you dig into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It has something for you every step of the way that applies to your life today. That's a kicker. You've got to apply it to your life. And the more you live it, the more you walk with it, the more you walk with him, the more you experience the goodness that he wants to bring into your life. It's about walking with him and experience the joy that he has despite the circumstances we may face. You see, my friends, the experience of blessings are developed by being in the presence of his kingdom. By being in his presence. Which leads to a very important question. In your day-to-day life, what presence do you tend to be in? What consumes you? Not just physically, but emotionally and mentally and all that stuff. What consumes you? We all find ourselves in the presence of something every day. And it goes back to what controls us. You know, your, your, your mind's probably going right now. Oh man, I got this job project to do. I got this thing to do. Or you're, my calendar is so full. I have this, this place to be at two, this place to be at four. The kids practice at seven. They gotta wake up at six a.m. You know, you're thinking through all that stuff. Why? Because that controls your life and your calendar and everything that you are. You're in that presence. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're just thinking about that text you got this morning. I can't believe that person said that. What are they thinking? And before you know it, that relationship is controlling you and it controls you and it controls you and it consumes you. And before you know it, because that consumes you, you're in that presence, you're experiencing what that provides to you, and you're missing out on the presence of God and his experience that's beyond what is physical to what is eternal. And at some point, we need to make the switch in our mind and our heart that our focus is not about what is physical, the more we focus and worry and concern ourselves about what's in this physical world, what's going on around us, what house we have, what's going on with my body. My body's going to mess up, fail me one day, but I got to figure out my focus is not what's physical. My focus is eternal. Why? Because that is what lasts beyond this world. That's where God wants to truly get into our hearts and for us to experience all of his goodness. And that's what he begins with this, the Beatitudes, these blessings, how you can experience the good life in your world, in your journey, day to day. God, Jesus says, here's how it is. He starts with these Beatitudes. That's the first set of four. There's two sets. The first set of four is all about your relationship with God. And the second set of four is all about your relationship with other people. And he starts by revealing that our experience of the kingdom, blessings, is found when we realize some very important things in our journey. What God is doing. You see, this isn't about what you do. It's about what God is doing all around you when you are in his presence and what he wants to do in your life. And he says, if you just give me the reins of your life, if you just be in my presence i got some great things for you. You don't have to do anything, just be in my presence. Give me the lead and watch what I want to do. He says that begins to happen the more we realize some things. And the first is we realize our dependency on him, how much we need him, how much you need him, how much I need him. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, As he starts these Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is the poor in spirit? It's the people who begin to realize, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I'm just a lowly, broken knucklehead. And the more I realize that, not to beat myself down, but just acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. And the more I try to do this on my own, the more I mess it up. And the more I find myself building this big tower of Jenga that just topples down and falls. But the more I realize, you know what, Bill? I need something beyond myself. The more I realize I can't do this life by myself. I just can't. It's too hard. It's too messed up. Come on, we're all there. And the more we acknowledge that, accept that, the more we can take the step towards realizing our desperate dependency on God. And we need him. And the more we depend on him, and the more we come into the grip of him, and the more we experience the ultimate reward that he has for us. That ultimate reward is eternal, it's his kingdom. It's something that's unexplainable. You just got to walk it, you got to experience it, you got to see it. It's God saying, you know what? No matter what you face, I've got you. I've got you. You're not alone. You never were alone, and you never will be alone. Just walk with me. Trust me. Depend on me. And Jesus takes it a step further in verse five when he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom. I'm I'm sorry, for they will inherit the earth. And again, he just reveals how powerless we are. We've made ourselves to believe and assume that I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody. No, you don't. No, you can't. None of us can. You might be able to get through a day or two, a year or two, one day life's gonna come. And all of a sudden we're gonna realize I never had control whatsoever. I was never in control. And in my journey, It was in those moments when I had to try to release that. I don't know about you, but I'm a control freak and that's a hard thing to do. But when I said, God, I just gotta give it to you. In this moment, I have to give it to you. Is when he began to show himself in big ways. Just trust me, I've got this, Bill. We build these structures, we build our lives, thinking, well, we kind of protect ourselves in our own walls. Whether it's physically with our house or emotionally by just building walls with other people. And we think we can take care of ourselves. We can't. It's like when I was in Africa several, many years ago and I was driving through the safari, uh, savannas, going on the safari, and I felt, boy, I'm in my Land Rover with these people and I am safe. I mean, you can take me anywhere out here. I don't care what animal we see. I mean, we got this. I'm in the tank, I'm in the Land Rover. And I found ourselves driving through right between a, a herd of water buffalo, around three to 400 water buffalo. And at the beginning, I'm thinking, hey, we got this. Just fly through here. And the person driving was nice and going nice and slow. Why? Because he know he knew if we kind of stir them and they get a little excited and they start running and get a little stampede action going on, we're like right in the middle. Our Land Rover, you'll find how tough this Land Rover is. It's not that tough. (laughs) It's going to get knocked around and we're going to get killed. But I had this sense of idea that I'm in this car, so I'm safe. When in reality, it was just a mirage. And I think so often in our life, we build this mirage of safety. Like, I'm okay. Because I built this life for me. When in reality, it could be gone tomorrow. It might be gone tomorrow. And then what? And then what? We put so much faith in the stuff of Earth that we lose out on the reality of what God has for us. And we don't get dependent on Him. We need to be more dependent on Him, and God Jesus said, the meek won't inherit the Earth. My friends, we get this bad idea of meek. We think, well, boy, if I'm meek, then I'm a weak person, I'm a coward, I'm passive, I can't really do anything. No, you know what meek really means? Meek is a mind change. Meek is changing your thought process to realizing, you know what? I always thought Bill was tough enough to withstand whatever life threw at him. And I began to realize I am not. I am a weakling. I am a weakling. And life many times has had me on, the, on my knees, begging, just stop. Have you been there? And in those moments, I realized something. My strength does not come from within me. It never has and it never will. The more you try to rely on your abilities, the more you'll realize you don't got it. <clears throat> You're not strong enough. But being meek is realizing, you know what? My power does not come from within me. My power comes from the God who created me, who loves me, who died for me. And I am completely dependent on him because he is the one who gets me through each day. And until I realize that, I'm going to be the same messed up person that whenever a throws at me, I'm going to be stumbling and falling. But when I trust in him, he guides me through. Why? Because then we need to realize that our strength is through him. That's where our strength ultimately comes from. He's the one who makes us strong. He's the one who gets us through. He needs to be our aim. And when we are wronged, we find blessings through Him because He's the one who's there for us. It doesn't matter what the world may do. I'm not so short sighted that I'm not going to let every single word, every little thing hurt me and knock me down. Why? Because He has something bigger and better for me. He is my strength, not this world. Not what I try to get other people to say about me, Bill. You're awesome. Thank you. But it's him. Verse four. Jesus said, "This blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." When I am broken, when life is really hard, God looked to Jesus and realize that our suffering, our brokenness, our sorrow, it doesn't last forever. Doesn't make it nice now, but it doesn't last forever. And we have something bigger in store for us beyond what is physical to what is eternal. And God brings us deliverance. We spent a lot of time last week diving into this verse and and working through grief and everything else and if you missed last week i encourage you go to our youtube page at impact pittsburgh you can check out last week's message and dig deeper into that so you can see what god has in store for you even through pain and suffering but to move along we need to also realize that our deepest needs are met by him god is the one who gets us through Jesus said in verse eight, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. We hunger and thirst for our own ambitions, for our own determination of what is success and we're constantly left unfilled, unfulfilled. It's kind of like, I'm hungry. Where do you wanna go? Let's go to McDonald's, right? But then have you ever noticed like you leave McDonald's and like an hour later, it's like, I'm hungry again. I need another quarter pounder with cheese. Why? Because it doesn't fulfill you. Right? It just is there and it's gone. And that's the way the world success is as well. But God says, I will fulfill you. I will take care of you. I will meet your deepest of needs through the gift of righteousness. This is about being right before God. When you hunger and thirst for him, to be in his presence, to run towards him, to chase towards him. This isn't about Perfection. This is about when you do mess up, and you will, you get back up and you run towards him. That's what that's all about. And when we chase righteousness, when we make Jesus our pursuit, there we find ourselves in God's reign, experiencing what he has for us, all of his goodness and his blessings, the good life, the happy life, the life filled with joy. And when we find ourselves living in the presence of the kingdom, we begin to see things begin to change our everyday lives. See, so often we struggle with our everyday lives and we struggle with the relationships in our lives and we're like, I just gotta fix this. I got all these problems in my life and God, I will get to you once I fix this in my life. When God's saying, no, you're not getting it. Chase me and I'll take care of everything else. But so often we miss that because we're trying to chase everything else and fix everything else rather than making him the pursuit. You see, our experience of relational blessings develop when we interact with with others according to kingdom values. And the more we make God our pursuit and live in his presence and chase him, guess what, everything else he pulls together. Everything else he pulls together. It's not saying things will be perfect. It's not saying you won't have messes anymore but you'll be able to have strength to walk through it. You'll find the joy despite your circumstances. And the more kingdom values are developed in your life, the more you'll experience that. But it's all about what you are pursuing. And Jesus, as he changed his focus to our relational values and our relationships horizontally, he identified, here's the things that you've gotta pursue in your life. The first, he says, you gotta pursue mercy. Mercy's gotta be a primary focus of of your life. Jesus said in verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So see, my friends, our ability to extend and exhibit mercy in our life models God's compassion and his forgiveness. It reveals your heart. It reveals your connection to him. And it realizes, you know what? I was never good enough in the first place either. And so why would I treat anybody else... Any differently. We're all messed up and we all need Him. He did it for me, and so I should live in a way that does that for other people, that extends mercy. Mercy, my friends, is the most basic expression of our relationship with God. The Bible teaches us that your heart is revealed by your actions, your words, and your attitudes. We like to think that you can't, you don't know what's in my heart. Yeah, I do. I see how you live, I see the words you use, I see how you treat people. You're revealing your heart every day. And God says the more you pursue mercy, the more you re- reveal your connection with him. Next, we need to pursue integrity. Integrity is valuable. Jesus said in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So often our heart gets in the way of us being able to see God's heart. This is about drawing near to Him, pursuing Him and racing towards Him with your integrity. You see, my friends, your integrity and your character matters. It matters. A lot of times we think it doesn't matter, but it does. My friends, what's is integrity? Integrity is what you do when nobody else is watching. When you're sitting alone in your house at night in front of that computer screen, what are you doing? That's your integrity. When you're on that business trip and you're all by yourself away from your family in that hotel room, what are you doing? That, my friends, is your integrity. You know, when you're away on vacation, you think, well, no one sees me, no one knows me here so I can have fun. What are you doing? Your integrity matters. Your character matters. And that's what that's all about. What you do when you think nobody else sees you makes a significant difference on who you are and your heart. And it makes a significant difference on your ability to experience God in your life. And we have a tendency to miss out on God. Why? Because our integrity and character is just not living up to it. We become somebody else when we think no one's watching. We do things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We're doing things on our computer that we know we should be stopping, and we just allow it to fester. My friends, it's time to stop. What you do in secret makes a difference in who you are in public. Be a person who strives to be a person of integrity and character every moment of your life because it makes a difference. That's what Jesus says, being a pure in heart. It's the description of the innermost person of you, your motives, the integrity of who you are, what your heart drives to. But sadly, so often we miss out on God's heart because we are too driven by our heart. And my friends, it's time to change that. Be a person that chases God's heart and allow him to transform your heart. And see what happens. And the next thing that Jesus says we need to pursue is peace. We need to be a people that pursues peace every day of our life. Verse 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is about pursuing restoration and wholeness in a world that is constantly being shattered by hostility and brokenness and messiness all around us. In the Bible, from the beginning to the end, it places a premium on restoration of relationships, even with your enemies, even with the people you can't stand, even with the people you don't like. Yes, even those people you watch on the news that you hate and despise. God says, seek peace. His peace that drives people towards his heart. And the gospel reveals that the message of peace does not always meet with acceptance. It does not mean that people will always agree with you or like you or accept the peace that you're trying to chase. But you, my friends, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, must make your life an active pursuit of peace that models the character of God. Can I just be real with you? It breaks my heart regularly when I find myself on social media only to see people who profess to be followers of Christ making their focus about political division rather than chasing the heart of God. My friends, let's be, make, be a people who chase God and let God be the change agent that he said he will be. Because when we do that, he says, I change the world. He will change the world. Not you, not me, or anybody else. And let's make it our ambition, our effort, that when people see us, they see him. And we drive people to him every day. We're not going to be perfect. We got to make that our effort. We got to seek his peace, seek his character, because ultimately it comes to pursuing righteousness. That's what that's all about being right before him. Verse 10 Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when we make righteousness our pursuit, we will experience his kingdom. You can begin to experience that now, he says. This is about being devoted to God, experiencing his goodness in our life, even in a world of hostility. It's a behavioral, and ethical stance that keeps with the will of God. It's his heart, not my heart. It's all about what am I pursuing? What are you chasing? Is it your heart? Is it your ambitions? Is it what you define success as? Is that what you find yourself chasing in your life? or is it God? This is about making God's kingdom, not your kingdom, the pursuit of your life. Please understand this, my friends, making God's kingdom and the pursuit of him as as your life, we will find the ability to rejoice despite the circumstances we face. We will find the ability to have the good life, to have joy, to have happiness, no matter what's going on around you. When? When you chase him. Jesus said this in verses 11 through 12, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the name, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What did Jesus say? He said, you better believe this. I promise you the world's going to get messed up and more messed up. And those of you who stand for me and walk with me, the world will hate you more and more and speak about you more and more. But don't you worry. Why? Because I got you. I got you. Don't forget, that same world put me on the cross. And because of that, I brought victory into your life. What makes you rejoice? What makes you rejoice? Some of you, may, some, some of you may be sitting here and thinking, well, when I get that promotion at, at work, when my kids get really good at their sports and they get a full ride in college and I have no debt, that would be pretty good. When I'm on the back nine and I hit, I get an eagle, right? I don't because I stink at golf. What makes you rejoice? We have all these different things that come and go that we determine this is what makes me happy. I can rejoice when this happens. Some of you may be sitting here right now and you're thinking, Bill, I don't even know how to answer that question. I can't rejoice. I don't even know what that means because my life stinks. My life is hurt, my life is broken and I just don't have any joy. You now you ask me how what makes me rejoice? Nothing. And some of you may be sitting here and you're thinking that thought, right? Now. But what if What if what Jesus said is true? What if what he said despite what may be going on around you? Despite all the mess and the hostility in the world right in your right around your life? All the brokenness that you deal with every day? What if even with those circumstances, you can wake up tomorrow with joy in your heart, with the ability to rejoice? What if? Because Jesus says, you can. You can. That's that's the good life. That's the good life. Because realizing, you know what? This world's going to fail me. But my success is not determined by the stuff of earth. My success, my joy, what I define as the good life is beyond what this world could ever provide, what this world could ever give. I would make it insulted and I will, I have. I'll get ridiculed, I have, I will. I'm gonna get knocked around, we all will, but it's okay is my joy comes from something bigger than me, beyond me. And when we realize God's presence in our lives, when we pursue his kingdom, we can find that ability to rejoice, why? Because our focus is eternal, no longer physical. We have, fut- we have a hope that provides something bigger than ourselves and it gives us the ability to endure. That's what he promises. When you pursue him, no matter what you face, you will have the ability to endure. Why? Because Jesus is by your side every step of the way. And if you allow him to have the reins of your life, he will lead you through the messed up world that we live in. He will walk you through it. But you gotta pursue him. He needs to be the one that has authority over your life. He needs to be the one driving your ship. We gotta pursue the kingdom. My friends, it's time for us to stop pursuing our hearts or the kingdoms we try to build in our life and our world. And it's time for us to individually and collectively say, you know what? Every day of my life, I wanna make my effort to pursue his kingdom so I can experience what he has for me and for us. Because God is on the move, and he has something spectacular. So what about you? What will you pursue today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you because of all the ways that you are moving in our life, all the good things that you are doing. Lord, sometimes it's so hard to see that because our focus gets so consumed by what controls us the brokenness, the hostility, everything around us. But Lord God, help us to shift our focus and our heart away from those things to see you. May you take the reins of our life. May we pursue you. And because of that, may we experience all of you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and thank you for your son, Jesus. This is his name we pray, amen.